been a lot of lot of really helpful content, really strong truths that we've heard so far today. I'm really thankful for that. I'm I'm spurred on. I'm convicted. I'm encouraged, and I hope that you are also. Um, in the midst of a conference or conversations or talks about sexual immorality or impurity or struggles with any of those things, there inevitably comes to uh, the surface the idea of accountability, right? That's like, man, I'm struggling with this. Great. Who do you got for accountability, right? It's kind of this, this, this life raft notion. I struggle with porn, Great. Who's your accountability partner? Man, I can't seem to overcome the, the, the temptation to masturbate. Great. Who's your accountability partner? And it's this, this notion of, well, just get some accountability and you'll be fine. First off, that's not true. Second off, a lot of the times, if you think of accountability in terms of a life raft kind of a notion, and it's a great tool, it's a, it's a God-given blessing and grace, but if you think of it in terms of this, this notion of like a life raft, the problem is it's a life raft that very often has had a shotgun taken to it prior to you and your accountability partner getting into the life raft. And that doesn't go well for the life raft. That doesn't go well for your ability to stay afloat at all. So if you're going to, and I encourage you to, use a life raft of accountability in the midst of these conversations and in the midst of your, your, your wrestle and your struggle against these sins and your pursuit of Christ and righteousness, you want to make sure that you have a life raft that's actually going to stay inflated and keep you afloat. Make sense? Sure. So, we're going to look real, real quick first at this notion of faulty accountability. And we have two guys in the life raft. We've got Needy Ned and Helpful Harry. If Harry Heeman's here, I apologize. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> All right. In this notion, in this, this faulty accountability life raft, here's, and, and the, the thing is, this is, this is regular. This is uh, a, a frequent description of the types of accountability relationships that you may find in these types of scenarios. You get needing Ned being hesitant, okay? Being hesitant to give up the sin. Yeah, I know I need accountability, but I kind of want to have my accountability and I want to keep my, 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 my sin too. I figured, well, as long as I have the accountability, then maybe eventually it'll sort of work out and maybe a nice, slow process because I don't really want to cut off access and give it up. Okay, so needing that is hesitant. He's also reluctant to divulge or to confess struggles, failures, um, to actually be uh, express about maybe the areas or the situations or the, the arenas in which he's tempted or finds himself, how he got there, et cetera, et cetera. And so the um, helpful Harry, you know, has to like take the, the hammer and the chisel and like work to find all the, the details in the situations. Needy Ned is also defeated in outlook. Ugh, I just can't do this. I can't win. I can't beat it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. This is faulty accountability, okay? And there are roles and responsibilities on both sides of this. He's failure-oriented in his focus. Oh, man, 
I did this three times this week. I did this four times this past month. I was great, but then I failed. And then, you know, and that's where the focus is. It's all about basically like your, your track record, right? And, you, and your, your idea of success or failure hinges upon that. You're issue driven, like Adam was just saying, and this is so key, guys. Issue driven as in like in this relationship, this is the only area of my life that I have to focus on or worry about. If I can just get a handle on this, then everything else is hunky-dory, and that's not life. The, the interconnected web of our heart issues as humans is so complex. You must recognize that. You must, you must not be issue driven as if everything rises or falls on this one thing. And then he's also a blame shifter. Well, I struggled or I fell, but only because Helpful Harry didn't call me in time. Gee, Helpful Harry, thanks so much. You know, like I only, I only fell because my accountability partner didn't do his job right? Or I only fell because so-and-so wasn't at the place that I asked them to be. And so then I was all alone. And so then you hear blame shifting. Okay. This is again, faulty. This is the life raft that has been shotgunned. Okay. Helpful Harry in this life raft is commiserating. Yeah, man, I feel you. I struggled three times. I fell this many times. I'm, I'm right in that same boat with you sinking together into the oblivion of failure. He has the peer maturity. Hey, man, you got the same issue I do? Sweet, let's hold each other accountable. I mean, enough said. He's frustrated by the process, perhaps. Okay, he's saying, look, what, what's wrong with you? Why can't you? Man, I give up. You just keep coming and saying you're struggling. I mean, why can't you just fix it? It's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. He's got a checklist mentality. Okay, have you done this? Have you done this? Did you do this? Have you fallen in this? Okay, great, you're good. Uh, versus what we're going to talk about later. Or, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, so therefore you're a failure. And you hear the issue-driven mentality of this? He's only sporadically available. Helpful Harry is not so helpful if he's disconnected, if he's disengaged, if you, know, if you have a monthly meeting and there's zero contact between those meetings, Helpful Harry is not so helpful. Okay, That is a life raft that is going to sink. So I want to give you four principles for, um, for positive, for healthy accountability. All right, And then we're going to re-examine the life raft that will stay afloat and see if we can keep Ned and Harry alive. All right, so four principles for healthy accountability. One being immediate involvement, all right? And the, from Hebrews chapter 3, 12 to 13, it says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another, listen to this, day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So while it's today, guys, do something. And day after day after day, while it's still called today, do something. Don't put it off to next week. Don't put it off to 2023. 
Don't put it off until you're just maybe got more of a handle on things. And so maybe you don't look so bad before someone or whatever the case might be. While it's still called today, which is the moment now, do something. All right. But who, who do you involve in the midst of that? It needs to be a mature man. This is from Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are also stuck in the same pit of despair, restore such... No, it doesn't say that. Right? If any of you are caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are mature, you who are um, experienced and, as Hebrews talks about, discerning in, in right and wrong based upon growth and based upon practice, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. And so you bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Guys, chances are good your roommate is not your best accountability partner. Chances are good your peer age person is not your accountability partner. And this is not necessarily just an age thing. It's a maturity thing. Okay, because there are younger men who have been pulling harder at the oars of faith and they have surpassed gray hairs in maturity because of how hard they've been rowing. There are gray hairs that have been sort of letting the tide of, of life and sanctification push them along, and, and, and they're growing, but it's not just a matter of gray hair equals no struggle. I think if I asked gray hairs, is this still a struggle, we'd see some hands go up. But you want to find somebody who is mature in this area to help you in this so that it does not become Ned and Harry just commiserating over how much they struggled and how they understand how hard it is and that it's just almost impossible to get a handle on this thing. Does that make sense? You need to find a mature man to help you in this process. It needs to be a man who's got maturity. It needs to be a man who has, has seen tasted and, and experienced victory in these areas so that he can say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ, not commiserate with me as I flop along with you, <laughs> right? Find a man who's going to say, yeah, follow me and we'll grow closer to Christ together and we will see and taste victory together. He needs to have the right kind of demeanor and frankly, that looks a myriad of ways. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we see there's just, this, just this, this classic example of how you need to have the right demeanor for the people that you interact with, that you need to be able to encourage the weak. You need to be able to um, encourage the faint-hearted, sorry, to help the weak, to encourage the faint-hearted, but then to admonish the unruly. So you got to have a guy who's able to come alongside you and to discern, are you weak? Are you faint-hearted? Or are you unruly? And if you're weak or faint-hearted, then he needs to have the demeanor and the capacity and the discernment to be able to help you and to encourage you. But he can't just be a, a namby-pamby softy who only just says, hey, man, I understand. It's hard. Yeah, I get it. I'm a guy too. He needs to be a guy who's going to say, look, man, you are being unruly. Like Myrol, you realize that you realize what's at stake here? 
You got to have a guy who's in your life who's going to help to admonish you in the times when you're unruly and headed towards down, down a path of destruction. Guys, that's a blessing. If somebody ever comes alongside you and admonishes you, take it. Take it on the chin. Go to God and say, Lord, how have I been unruly? How am I heading down this path that warranted some sort of strong admonishment? Don't react in pride. Don't react in, I don't need that. Oh, that was so harsh. That was so mean. Grow up, take it on the chin, and realize it's for your good, for your growth, and for your sanctification that men, especially in this area, need to come alongside each other and bear those burdens. And it looks different ways at different times. All right, so you got to have a mature man to walk along with you <clears throat> in this process. You want a guy who's going to, uh, you, you need to have early engagement in the midst of this, <coughs> in the midst of this accountability <coughs> relationship. All right, early engagement. And yes, early engagement helps to squelch sexual desire, okay? Because then you can go and get married faster, but this is not that kind of early engagement, okay? This is early, yeah, there you go. Early engagement in the process, all right? James chapter 5. First off, we got to establish that there is, there is benefit to uh, engagement of guys in this process, and that there's benefits to the notion of confession and supplication for help, which is in James chapter 5. And it says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's a great description of a good accountability relationship. Confess your sins and pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. But I say early engagement is crucial because there's also a pattern of, okay, it's been two weeks between meetings. And so in your meeting, you look back and you say, well, I struggled this many times and I confessed and, um, and perhaps, you know, it's actually good and open confession and that's good. And then you, you deal with that and you pray together, but then you have another two weeks. And you kind of struggle, you, you wrestle, you struggle, and then you kind of look back and you say, well, okay, so for these two weeks, and you're always looking back. And you're always looking back in time and never seeking to engage early in the process to, to find quick confession, not delayed confession, but to engage in quick confession and even to engage in quick calls for help. Uh, earlier in James chapter one, he says this in verse 14, each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So you tell me, when do you think is going to be the most helpful time in that string of events to go ahead and ask for help and to confess your sin? When sin has accomplished death, probably not so helpful. Okay, what about when lust has conceived and gives birth to sin? Still, not so helpful. Okay, but maybe when you're tempted and then carried away and enticed by your own lust, well, you could actually be more helpful even than that. How about when you are tempted? Doesn't that make so much more sense? But I can't tell you how rarely I get the phone calls of, 
I'm really struggling right now with this temptation. I'll be honest, I can't tell you how often I have been quick to engage that. And yet the times when I have received those calls or those texts or the times when I have engaged in that kind of a call for help or that text for help, my goodness, what a difference. Because you're dealing with the the, the temptation before it even brings out sin and then death. And so you need to engage early with quick confession and quick calls for help. I mean, Pastor Rick was talking about from, from Paul's letter to the, uh, in 1 Corinthians, God provides a way of escape. This is one of them, guys. But not only in the moment do we regularly not pray, but we often don't call our, our partner, our accountability, our friend, our brother, and say, man, I, I'm really struggling. I need you to call me in an hour and ask me if I've fallen. You'll be stronger if you do that. All right, Lambert, in the book that we gave you, says this, you must ask Jesus for grace and agree with those holding you accountable that you will call for help as soon as you realize you're being tempted. Feel it deal with it. Engage it early. All right. The next one here is regretless repentance. This is a, this is a passage in God's word that you all need to join me in marinating in deeply and regularly. What does repentance look like? Okay. In first Corinthians seven, verse 10 to 11, but to the married, that's not it at all. I put the wrong verse in there. Um, so now I'm blanking. Somebody help me out. Where is that passage? 2 Corinthians 7. That's it. Get the, get the books right. There we go. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 to 11. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now listen to these, these descriptions, and I want you to think about your accountability relationships and whether, whether this characterizes you in those relationships or not. For behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong, In everything, you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. You and your accountability partner should seek for regretless repentance in the sense of saying, look, brother, what does this look like to have vindication of yourself, to be indignant over the wrong, to have fear of wrong again, to have longing for righteousness, to have zeal for honoring the Lord, to seek to avenge the wrong? What does that look like in this moment and in this relationship? And you need to have a guy who's going to walk with you in those sorts of ways. It's crucial. And so in a healthy accountability type of situation, you're going to have needy Ned and helpful Harry look a little bit different. You're going to have needy Ned looking eager. He's going to be eager to engage help early. Hey, I'm feeling tempted. You know what? I got asked to go to this movie by these people and I kind of want to go. Speak some truth to me. Whatever. I want to, I want to click on this link. My hand's on the mouse. Talk to me. Okay, eager to engage help early. He's going to be open with his struggles and with his failures. The helpful Harry is not going to have to like go on fishing expeditions to find out what is really behind what is going on. 
you know, all the, all those interconnected issues that we're talking about, and and sometimes the the sins and the heart issues that lie beneath sexual immorality and those expressions, you're gonna you're gonna eagerly open up about those things and try to process them. You're gonna be dependent on the Spirit, okay? You're gonna be uh, focused not on just your own strength and thus on your own failures or successes, but you're gonna be dependent on the Spirit. You're going to be holistic in your drive towards sanctification. Again, like what Adam said, it's not, life is not your struggle with sexual immorality. Godliness is not your success or your failures in this area. It is holistic and you must encourage one another and be encouraged in that sort of a way. And frankly, guys, you got to be hopeful. You can't be defeatist because hopeful says, God, you're telling the truth. Defeatist says, ah, God's a liar. Okay, so you cannot walk into these relationships and say, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because every time you say you can't, you call God a liar. So that's not healthy. Helpful Harry in a healthy accountability relationship is going to be Jesus-focused. He's going to point needy Ned to Christ. Cling to Christ. Rest in Christ. Understand your position in Christ. Be amazed at Christ. Be awed at Christ. Helpful Harry is going to be mature. He's going to be victorious, not commiserating. He's going to be regularly engaged, available. All right, he's going to be biblical in his approach, in his approach, like we said with 1 Thessalonians 5. How is this person behaving and how do I need to address him? I will bring out the two by four when it needs to be brought out. And I'm going to bring out the kid gloves when they need to be brought out. All right, if a guy is not willing to do that for you, find somebody else. And men, if somebody approaches you about this, then be that for them because we all need it in various ways and in various forms. Harry's going to be a guy who spurs Ned onto love and to good deeds without being the one to generate it. And there's a difference there, okay? You cannot become reliant. Ned cannot become reliant on Harry to generate his momentum or his successes, He must spur him on, point him to Christ, and Ned, as he is dependent, will find victory and momentum and success. All right, so engage in the right kind of life raft of accountability in the midst of these processes and in the situations of uh, temptation. All right, Mara, why don't you come on up and, or Adam, give some instructions for lunch, and you can pray in tandem with that.